Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. How art thee today? Yes, quite well today. Quite well. Are you well? I am well. Then we're all well. Very well. (laughs) Very well indeed. And are the listeners well? I hope so. I hope... Listeners are, are well. Well, I hope they are t- on this fine Valentine's Day that t- on which we are recording. Yes, we are. We are recording on Valentine's Day. You, the listener, will hear it on the Thursday following the Valentine's Day. We hope that Father Valentine's has been kind to you and bought you all the things that you wanted. Yes, Cupid. Such as that new what's it that you wanted for a while and that Kit Kat bar that you were hankering for. All of those things we hope that Father Valentine has bought for you today. And are you Father Valentine? Yes, I am. Uh, I've been very busy. been dropping off Kit Kat Chunkies for people. Uh, and those Watsits that they've been hankering for as well. So uh, I've been very busy. Good. Good to hear. Yes. <laughs> On to a sort of themed Valentine's Day episode. We've never done one of these before. Um, I don't know why. We, we usually take any old excuse to do a themed episode maybe we'll do more this year um but yes our first valentine's day special (laughs) and it is very special and i'm probably bigging it up far too much um okay so today we're discussing number 88 on our metacritic list number 88 is divinity original sin 2 definitive edition that was the version that appeared highest on the list that was released on the Nintendo Switch in the year 2019 with a score of 93. Um, so, as usual, do you have any history with this game? I do not have any history with this game. I don't think I'd heard of this game until we came across it for the list. Um, all I know is that this game exists and Divinity Original Sin exists. They're both um, you know, well-respected CRPGs. And that is literally all I knew. Um, I went into it pretty much totally blind. What about you? Yeah, I'd I'd heard a bit about these games. Um, I was aware that it came out on the Switch. But I didn't really... I knew it was an isometric game, but I thought it was more in the the vein of Diablo than what it actually was. Um, So it's much closer to something like Border's Gate, which we played much earlier in the list. Or not much earlier, but... A while ago. Yeah. Um, So it's much closer to something like that than Diablo. But, yeah, I didn't really have much experience of it. I think it was always one of those games that I wanted to try. um, And I have now tried it. And obviously you'll get my conclusions later on. That's right. Um, So where did you play this? I played it on the PlayStation. Uh, I was going to play it on the Switch, but... After playing Bioshock on the Switch, I was a bit switched out and I wanted to play some uh, some PlayStation, so played it there. I did find out afterwards that you could play it on iOS as well, which I was somewhat tempted by. Um, it seems like a good game for that that platform, maybe, but I mean, the last time I said that, I played GTA 3 on the, uh, the iPad and it was a very bad experience, so 
perhaps not. Um, but yeah, for, for, for this time I played it on the PS PS5, but it was the PS4 version. What about you? I played the Switch version. Um, generally speaking, it ran pretty well. I think the load times in this game are a known issue anyway, and they were horrific at times on the Switch. But the actual game, when it's running, was fine. Um, yeah, so that was where I played it. Um, okay, so do you want to give a bit of a rundown of the plot, if you can? Yeah, I can give you a basic overview. Um, I didn't play as much of this game as you did. I think you started this a lot earlier than I did. Um, I think you put a bit more time into it. Um, but the game, I believe it takes place about a thousand years after the um, the events of Divinity Original Sim 1. Um, yeah. And you are... You play as a character, and at the start of the game, you can either choose from um, like a, a collection of, of pre-made characters with origins and you know their own builds, um, which is probably the, the best way to play this game if you're a newcomer. Um, but you can start the game, you enter into a world called Rebellion, and the overall arc of the story is you start out on um, this like prison island. Um, called Fort Joy after you've been attacked by like this Kraken thing and the the main aim of the, the game and I found it to be quite what's the word it, it wasn't a very focused linear game in my opinion there were quite a lot of things that you could go off and do other than the main quest which is probably a good thing um, but the main quest of the game is to um, defeat the uh, the main antagonist Bracus Rex to basically restore source to all of the sorcerers, which is what they use to, um, you know, upskill their magic and their physical abilities. And I think at the end of the game, you've got like a, a bad choice you can make and a good choice, and it, it depends how you do it. But a lot of this game is um, actioned off the way that you do your interactions and the choices that you make. Um, it's kind of a very, very basic overview. There's probably some stuff that you can add in there because, like I say, you've played more than, of this game than I have. Not really. Um, so I have played a fair bit of this game. It's it's a it's a funny one. So, yeah, you, you are Godwoken and you gradually realise that and you unlock some of your source abilities. Yeah. Um, but I didn't complete this game. I got a decent way. So I'm on what I believe is the main island. I got off Fort Troy, I got out of the marshes and I'm on the main island and I put in a fair amount of time there. Um, but I'd say the main story is quite slow and yes. it's not always clear um, when you're doing the main story. So I was I, I was trying to get to an island um, before I finished, well, before I stopped playing this game. And, and apparently there are main story ways to get there and other ways to get there and sometimes you'll be doing something and it turns out to be a companion quest and yeah it's, it's um i I'd, I'd agree with you when you said that it's not very focused and that was a problem that i had with it i found Baldur's gate 2 to not be hugely focused but that game was a fair bit more focused than this one um and given the time differential between the two games I was hoping it would be a bit more focused. The the thing um, the thing that I get from this game is like you say there are a lot of companion 
um, kind of sidelines and quests you can go on, which from what I understand is a lot of the meat of this game. It is very much about building those links with your characters and, you know, finding out what makes them tick and their backstories rather than a lot of the other elements of the game. Um, because a lot of the story is very much focused on the party that you choose to be with you, you know? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, each of the, the, the characters that accompany you, if you choose to have characters accompanying you, which you don't have to do, um, they are quite nicely fleshed out. They all have their own backstories and they all have their own wants and desires and they make that very clear to you. And part of the game is the, the companion quests. Who, who, did, you, uh, who did you have in your party? I had the Red Prince. I had... Sahela, the, the, the I can't remember her name. Sabil or Sabil. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's the one. Yep. And I had Lodi Lo, Lo or. We're very good with the names on this game, aren't we? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember <laughs> that. I, I I will admit I didn't. I I changed my party up so I had Beast in my party until. Um, I got to the main island and I switched him up. Um, but I must admit as well that I didn't do a huge amount of the companion stuff. I spent most of my time in this game lost, trying to figure out what to do to advance the plot. Yeah. And that pretty much summarises my experience with the game and how I feel about it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because we've played a few RPGs on this list and... I think all of the isometric games that we've played, whether they are they be RPGs or um, RTS games, I think both of us have struggled with a little bit. Um, maybe yeah. with the exception of Company of Heroes. Um, but you know, you've got Baldur's Gate, you've got Diablo, you've got uh, was it Starcraft? Um, Company of Heroes, obviously, in there as well. But I think a lot of the isometric games that we've played, we've we've struggled to kind of mesh with a little bit. Would that be fair to say? I liked um I liked what I played of Diablo. Um but but generally speaking I think I'd agree with you. I got into Baldur's Gate 2 eventually, which I can't say for Divinity. So um I did complete Baldur's Gate 2, but it was a it was a really um tough initial going on that game to actually get into the game. Eventually I got to that point, but yeah, it took a very long time for me to um get the willpower to want to finish it so yeah generally i would agree with it i, I would say that they're, they're not my natural um leaning in terms of games and i think probably the same for you yeah i I've, I've i've always said like i enjoy an rpg like i enjoy final fantasy like final fantasy is one of my favorite series i enjoyed persona obviously and there are other rpgs that i've played that i think are all right like um uh, breath of fire um but yeah f f i think i find it harder to get into newer rpgs particularly fantasy ones and the thing with divinity is it is very open i was watching a video where someone compared uh, divinity to elden ring in terms of just how open it is and how you can go in any direction you want and make the build that you want and it kind of makes sense because as i mentioned a few episodes ago i've been playing a bit of elden ring um and Besides it kicking my ass, I, I can kind of see what the, the comparisons are. But with Divinity, it's very much like uh, you can do whatever you want and go wherever you want, explore wherever, and it is very much one of those games where you've got control to just explore. But then as soon as combat starts, 
it goes into a completely different vibe and then it's turn-based. Um, and I enjoy turn-based RPGs. But yeah, I think there's something about fantasy RPGs that are new that I struggle to get into a little bit. Um, I'm not sure what that is, but I don't know, something just doesn't really mesh for me. They're not my kind of games anymore, you know? Yeah. So, so for, I just checked, the characters' names were Sibyl and Losa. There you go. I, uh, um, I, so who did you have in your party? I don't I don't think we covered that. No, <laughs> so I primarily used Red Prince because um, I, I did a little bit of research before playing the game and found out which of the characters are the best because I did think about creating my own um, but then kind of read into it and I was like, nah, if you're a newbie, you probably want to go with the, you know, the, the, the already created ones. So I used him, um, Ifan was also in my yeah, party. Yeah, he was my main character. And then um, Farn, Farne was in it as well, the uh, the undead. Um, yeah. And he, he was quite useful. Um, and I was tempted by Beast, but I never really used him. So I kind of kept it with those three. Um, and I think I played around a little bit with Sabiel as well. Um, but again, no one really stuck with me. I like Red Prince. I liked Ethan the most. Um, but none of the characters really called out to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, so, so let's talk a bit about what you do in this game. Um, you've kind of covered it with isometric, but mm. in terms of the turn-based combat, what do you do? And in terms of the moment to moment gameplay, what do you do in this game? Well, the way I see this game is it's an explorative RPG. You, you kind of, like you say, it, it is quite hard to find out the linearity to, to progress the story. Um, but you can kind of play it however you want. If you want to play this game as um, like a super aggressive um, player, you, you can do that and you can get into as many fights as you want or you can try and focus in more on diplomacy and conversation and, and playing it that way and that's perfectly fine. And the combat, you know, you've got your standard um, combat options for for an rpg you know you've got your your melee attacks your, your ranged attacks but then there's quite a lot of magic to choose from as well um so really it just depends on how you want to play this game and that's something that i think is a good aspect of this game and a reason why i think it's probably on the list is because of how open it is in terms of your play style if you know what i mean yeah i do think it does the thing that a lot of these games do which is they give you the options of whether you want to fight, whether you want to be diplomatic and try to use speechcraft. Um, but at certain points in the game, they lump you in combat. Yeah. And if you haven't built up the necessary skills um, or leveled up enough, you'll hit a brick wall. Um, I, I was reading some people talking about this game, saying that they had chosen the paths for their characters and someone just said to them, you need to start again. Because you soft those characters out. aren't gonna, yeah, th those characters weren't gonna um, make progress through the story, and I think that's a bit of an inherent flaw with these kinds of games. Um, which, so yeah, which, I think... which is a bad bad game design, really, because you know you, you do expect to get locked locked out or, or soft locked out of some games from maybe you know ten years or so ago or even further back, but not games that originally came out. I think in twenty seventeen, I think. Yeah, 2017 was the original. Yeah. And 
I mean, it's an interesting aspect of this game. This game is quite a challenging game yeah. um, if played on the default difficulty, which I think is called Classic. Um, and I think there are two easier difficulties. I think one is, one is sort of like Explorer and the other one is um, basically you're in it for the story. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite a challenging game and you can hit some brick walls and I was, uh, by, the, by the time I got to the main, well, what I believe to be the main island... Um, I was dodging because I went northwards probably way too quickly and I was hitting some brick walls with the combat there and I was trying to dodge fights as much as possible because they were just too high level. And what this game does is um, if you go too near an enemy, combat starts. There's no avoiding it. Um, I suppose you could run away, but you kind of get tied into combat and it's usually the enemies go first, so you get damaged and some of those enemies later or northwards of the island were just wiping me out or wiping a few characters out in a single hit. So I think I obviously made a wrong turn there. Um, so it's challenge is an interesting one and we've touched on it before and I'm sure we'll touch on it again. And I think probably it caters to the people that would be interested in this game. And I think we're not necessarily the, the demographic for that. No. So, um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's hard to judge. Um, okay, so let's talk about um, gameplay is king. So the, the the gameplay you've talked about, the combat and the various things you can do. Is it fun to play? I wouldn't say. I don't think I could say fun. I could say it's open. It's very open to play, and like we said there, you've got a lot of options on the way that you do want to play it. Um, but in terms of fun. I didn't get too much fun from it, which you might have guessed from how I've been talking about it so far. I didn't hate it. And our, our but, muted tone. Yeah, it's it wasn't a game that I disliked. I just really struggled to to get it, I think. And that's a problem that I have with a lot of isometric games. I just can't lose myself in it to the point where I, I have fun. And I don't know if that's due to the camera angle or, or what. Um, but those games I just struggle to lose myself in and to have fun with the game I think you've got to somewhat lose yourself um, so I, I don't think I would say fun as such but open what do you think? Well, it's an interesting thing you say there you said about the camera angle and I think I agree with you there if it had a different perspective I may have enjoyed this game quite a bit more Um there's just something about that isometric camera that I think it's because it's not the games that I played when I was younger. They weren't isometric games. They yeah. were either the first or third person. And um, yeah, I, I'm just as a person, I'm not used to games like that. So it is a bit jarring. And I feel like I would have enjoyed this game more had it been the traditional first or third person game. And at times, this game reminded me a bit of things like Oblivion and Skyrim in terms of the things you can do, um, the freedom that you have. But I think I prefer the first-person camera of those games. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it makes it a strong first impression. So you're on the boat, and it's certainly a bit more, for me, exciting and opening than Baldur's Gate 2. Um, and because <laughs> that opening was... Yeah, horrific to me. Slow. Um, 
just feels me with dread thinking about it. So, so this was far more. So I thought, oh, okay, this is this is going to be um, more my thing than than the Baldur's Gate two. But then you you kind it kind of opens up a bit and it's it, it lets you off the lead, and having lost that kind of tight. I don't want to say linearity of the opening, but the type more curated, yeah, more scripted bit. It was um, overwhelming to me, and maybe just not what I was looking for right now. Because I always think with these type types of games, um, you need to be in the mood to play them. If it's something very sprawling and where you can go off in any direction you want, you can do things however you want. You need to be in the mood to play those kind of games, and sometimes I am. But I don't think I. I think since Christmas, I feel like I've been in a sort of linear game mood. Yeah. Um. Just want to advance the plot, and that's what I felt I wanted to do with this game, but I couldn't do it um, because I was lost most of the time. And eventually, I got to the point yesterday where I thought, okay, I'm just gonna let sleeping dogs lie, which I don't usually do. I, the, I've completed the vast majority of games on this list, but yeah, this is one that I think I'm gonna call it a day on. But I do think, at times, I get it. There are times when things are going well, where the combat's going well, where you're moving at a bit of a clip, and I get it. And then something will happen, and you'll suddenly lose direction again. And you'll be meandering around, getting caught in a fight that's above your level, and it just goes, it just loses all momentum for me. So I, I get it, but it can't maintain it for me. Um, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's it does start strong, but like the I think the fact that it's so open, and I think maybe that you and me both from playing the games on this list are probably a little bit burnt out on open worlds. Um, yeah, they say as bit, they have yeah. Breath of the Wild upcoming, um, and Witcher Three. And but Witcher I am, Three, I am looking forward to both of those games. So, um, but yeah, I I get where you're coming from with that. It's you can tell it's a good game, but it's just hard to, not hard to enjoy, but just hard to get into. There's a lot of systems as well. So you've got the yeah. combat, you've got crafting, you've got um, lots of menus, there's lots of stuff going on, and it wants you to learn its systems. It's a game that wants you to learn how to do things. Um, and I feel like if you don't do those things that it wants you to do, you're going to be at a disadvantage there are certain games where there are elements of them you can just ignore. I feel like if you want to get the most out of this game, you've got to pick up the elements. And I must admit, I, I don't think I did a great job of that. No, same. Um, okay, so do you have a favourite move at all? Or um, manoeuvre that you quite liked? Not move as such, but the way that I played it, I tried to be quite diplomatic. Um, whenever I play an RPG or... Uh, like anything along those lines, I always try and build up my character's speech skills. Um, Me too. Because I, I like to... I, I enjoy combat in these games, but I always like to see what I can get extra or avoid doing by having a high speech level. Like A good example of that was the um, having a high speech level in Fallout 3. Um, if your speech is high enough when you go and see 3-Dog, you can just avoid going to that museum to get him that part and he'll just tell you where your dad is and it you know, takes out a massive fetch quest from the game. So I'd say I, I enjoyed kind of trying to use the speech elements of it. Some of the combat was okay as well. 
Um, but the way that I played this game was a lot more based on trying to, you know, speak my way through things rather than fight, which I'd probably say would be a highlight for me as it is in most RPGs, I think. What about you? This game is very strategic. And one of the things I do like about this game is that you're often presented with a problem and it's one of those games where it's like, have at you. How do you want to solve this problem? So, so I was uh, I was testing the game at a certain point. There's a certain point where there are these things. I think they're called shriekers, and if you step in the vicinity of them, they just kill you. And beyond them, there is a fight with a magister. Magisters are the the bad guys in this game, and he's called Alexander, and he's a bit further on from the shriekers. And then there is a camp before them, and you've got allies there. So I was trying to figure out, really, I was trying to figure out how to progress. And I, f I figured out that it was by defeating this Alexander and his group of bad guys. Mm. And I used Sibyl and I basically, she had better stealth of my characters than anyone else. So I... I activated the stealth mode and I was using stealth mode to dodge the field of view of the Shriekers. I got the attention of the guards at the far side and basically activated combat with them. I, I then somehow lured them back all the way to the camp so that all the other characters were then involved. So I had this huge um, sort of mini army now fighting this group of, of enemies, the the army that, that, that was fighting on my side, they didn't want to fight for me because of the Shriekers, but because I'd managed to lure the enemies to them, they yeah. were fighting. So I thought that was quite cool. And, and eventually, yeah, I won that battle. And then I had to then figure out how to get my main character, who was not that stealthy, past the Shriekers to advance the plot. So then I bought an invisibility potion and used it on him and he was able to sneak by them and get to the the character on the other side that he needed to so it's just an example of working smart how <laughs> how thinking outside the box i mean i'm sure i'm sure there's an easy way to do this but I and, I and i did spend a good probably couple of hours making that tactic work but the fact that it did work I yeah think is, satisfying. Um, yeah and that's the game at its best in a way when you're kind of breaking it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean and feeling like you're outsmarting it a bit. Yeah, because that obviously wasn't the intended way of doing things. Yeah, of course. I wasn't supposed to get past those shriekers and certainly wasn't supposed to be able to fight them with a bunch of AI characters who were quite strong. Yeah. Um, with that, There was a whole quest there that I think I missed where I was supposed to find the strategy to take out the shriekers, um, which was suggested by one of the characters so yeah stuff like that i always find good um but it wasn't everywhere and no again few and far between but, yeah I know and, what you mean. And, and the the filler for this game was me being lost yes <laughs> same a lot of um, yeah okay so let's talk a bit about love and romance in this game so this is a game as many RPGs do nowadays, that has romantic options. So you've got your characters and you can cultivate relationships with them. Um, 
I didn't do this, but the way that I understand that it Neither works is you, you select dialogue options at a certain point in the game and you can trigger events and you can flirt with certain characters and then there's a there's apparently quite a, um, a, a graphic description of a sex scene. Which ah, is, right. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, yes, I didn't, so uh, I didn't stumble across that. Yeah, so I don't know if it, I needed to be further in or if I missed some of those opportunities, mm. but um, I was I was intrigued purely for, for, from this episode, knowing that we were doing a, a Valentine's Day episode. I was trying to um, see what this game offered in terms of the relationship options, but it is a game that offers them. As many games do nowadays, it seems to be one of the done things yeah. of RPGs nowadays. I think um, games like The Witcher really popularised it. So that is um, love and romance the link. in this game. I just wanted, to, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to touch on it. Um, we will come back to that idea in a moment, but first, let's talk about um, the audio of this game. So, what struck you about the audio of this game? Um, I think the music's good. I often find with RPGs that no matter what kind of vibe it's going for, whether it's you know fantasy whether it's sci-fi you usually find that the music in rpgs is quite good because it has to be because rpgs are so bloody long um i thought the voice acting was pretty decent overall um the it's music- okay one of my problems with um, rpg voice acting is lack of regionalization in your in your characters this game does have a little bit but a lot of the characters all sound like they come from the same place. And yeah. if you're British, you know that there are so many um, different accents in Britain. Mm. And it would just be nice to hear some different accents from time to time. Um, like mine and yours. Game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you've got the Scottish accent for Beast. And there's a bit of a, a very slight northern lilt for... Um, the guy that I was, I forgot, I forget. His Ethan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. There's a bit of a, a very slight Northern. I think, I think the actual voice actor is Northern, but I think he's putting on a sort of accent. accent. Yeah. And, but there are still, um, a few Northern intonations here and there, but mm. for the most part, there's, there's a lot of RP and it's something that obviously we both went to drama school. It's something that, that annoys me about, um, generally about um british media that everything is rp uh, but yes that's that's probably a tangent for another day um <laughs> okay so uh what about the visuals of this game it stands out i think a lot of the visuals on this pop um i imagine i mean playing this on the PS5, it looks very good. And I imagine playing it on the um, the Switch OLED probably looks very good as well, particularly in handheld mode. Um, it's got a very specific design. It kind of looks somewhat sellish and very toony. Um, but I think I think it looks good. The, the colours really pop. The character design's good. And there are a lot of different environments for you to explore, which all look pretty decent. Um, I'd say overall, the, the visuals of the game, they stand out. Um, probably is one of the, the highlights, I think. Um, obviously, it's, it's a slightly older game, so you know it, it's not the best-looking game of all time, but I think for what it is and for the amount of game there is there, I think it looks good for the amount of data um, that would have gone into actually you know, taking to, to write a lot of these 
um, environments, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah I, I think it looks good. It's got a nice art style, and you really, in a way, you can ask for more from an isometric game. It looks nice. It looks detailed. There's a lot of effects works going on. Um, fire that spreads and poison mists and all sorts of status effects that play a part in combat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's... it's it, at times on the Switch, the, the, the frame rate goes a bit wonky, and then, as I said, the load times are sometimes between probably three and four minutes, which drove me a bit mad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, generally speaking, it's a nice-looking game, and I, I don't really know what more you can do with an isometric game in terms of the visuals. It, it does look pleasing and clean, and everything's distinctive, and... The water looks nice and so on. So yeah, it's it's a it's quite an attractive game. Um, I, I quite like the way that Borders Gate Two looks as well. It, obviously, it's much more um, hand drawn sort of. Yeah, look. a bit older. But yeah, but this is this is the modern equivalent of of something like that. Mm. Okay, so on to our question of the week, which is a two pronged question. Okay. The first prong is. <laughs> Can a game depict love as well as books or films? What do you think? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it just depends how much time is invested into the story or the, the character arc or relationship arc of that in question. Um, and I also, also, I also think it depends on the player's connection to that character. Um you know, I, I I use it as a as an example all the time, uh, to the point where you could probably meme it. But I can use a, 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 a an example of Final Fantasy VII, um, and I mean, do do you know the story of that game at all? I know um, a, a certain character dies, and I know who that is, yeah. and I know that there's. She's a love interest, and so is sort of Tifa, and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and you know when that happened in ninety seven, I think it was a lot of people were really upset and really gutted at the fact that one of the the the, the main characters died, and they couldn't it's expect quite bold, really, yeah, yeah, massively quite a bold move, um, and I think they showed the grief and the relationship trauma that came from the back of that. I'm not going to mention the characters now just because, you know, we'll we'll Spoilers, get to that yeah. when we when we talk about that game. Um We're but, never talking about that game. That game's banned on this podcast. It's because we've talked about it so much already and we haven't even done an episode <laughs> yeah. on it, that's why. Um but yeah, I, I think I think it can be done well. I mean it it can also be done incredibly ham fistedly. You've only got to look at not so much um, love, but in terms of lust and sex, you just got to look at Heavy Rain, um, that weird relationship with the um, yeah. with the journalist and, and Ethan. Um, That's aged terribly. Yeah, it, it goes both ways, um, but I, th I think yes, you can. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously the dimension that games have, which books and films don't have, is that interactivity. Yeah. And I think the interesting aspect of games is I think you can do it in cutscenes, which most games do. Um, but how do you translate that love into a gameplay feature without it being 
an interactive <laughs> sex scene in Heavy yeah. Rain. Um, yeah, the, the, I'm, I'm, it kind of fits in with the second part of the question, which I'll ask in a moment. Um, but yeah, so I, I, do, I do think it's possible. I think it needs to be a priority of the game developers. Yes. And a lot of people have kind of jumped on the Witcher style bandwagon, but that was taken from the books. That is very much in the books, that, that style of things. And obviously things like Game of Thrones also popularized it. And those characters and those relationships in the Witcher, we haven't played the game yet for the list. With So uh, they, they are deep relationships with multifaceted characters. Um, Whereas I think games just take, oh, people like sex in games, therefore we're going to put some of that in there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think people focus on the wrong thing a bit too much with uh, with, the, with The Witcher, for example. But um, my next part of the question is, um, what do you think the future looks for in the depiction of loving games? And the reason I ask this is because you think back to games 20 30 years ago love in games was mario and peach doing whatever they do with a with a gorilla stealing peach and then mm. and, and obviously we've come all the way to now and we do see much more effort and much more um complexity going into these relationships so where do you see it in the future and yeah i'll, I'll ask a, a third part to this question after that um, I don't really know. I, I suppose with more technology becomes more options. Like you've got the, the the weird stuff that people can do with relationship simulators in like VR and stuff, um, which is a little bit crazy. Um, but I suppose just with the with the implementation now of AI in quite a lot of different technologies, you can probably have endless options when it comes to love arcs or whatever in video games or in interactive media but i don't really know to be honest with you um that's a hard question to answer i'm not sure yeah i i think i'd like to see it kind of lean into the more interactive elements in terms of i've talked about this game before on on the podcast so the game called catherine made by yeah. atlas who also make persona and they they delve into the complexities of relationships and and how uh, this main character has this this fear of commitment and then the other characters all have their own issues and then they they come together to create these quite troubled relationships and that game I think really capitalizes on it and you get decisions that you can make but the gameplay serves this plot which is a very unusual plot. And I think that's a game that does relationships very, very well. So I think it has to be, I kind of said it already. So I think it has to be central to your, to what you you want to do. Um, so I suppose another question for you is, uh, are there certain types of games that are made to do relationships better? I'll give you an example. First person shooters versus maybe platformers, maybe versus mm. visual novels versus um, puzzle games. Yeah, probably visual novels um, are a good good one to focus on. Obviously not FPS games, uh, but although that's not to throw that out the window completely. I'd say RPGs 
Um, it's done well. Yep, I'd agree. Maybe um, like adventure games, games like Uncharted, um, like those kind of AAA big budget games, potentially as well. Um, yeah, and then Uncharted you've also got one. games like um, The Last of Us, where obviously that is about um, a man and a daughter figure. Um, so it's a different kind of thing, but you just change the characters around a little bit. There's no reason why with good writing that couldn't be suitable as well, you know? Well, you also have Ellie's relationships in that game, yeah. um, which tend to be um, obviously more down the romantic side of things and quite interesting when you think about them. Well, you've got Last of Us Left Behind, yeah. the relationship that's kind of explored there, and then the one in The Last of Us 2 as well. Yeah. So... Yeah, there are some interesting things in those games and, and they, they tend to be at the cutting edge in terms of story and um, character development. I mean, we had such a detailed discussion about The Last of Us 2 and we mm. still kind of didn't get to the bottom of it. And that's a game that really you can just talk about for a very long time. I, yeah. I probably still haven't quite processed how I feel about that game. And I think a second playthrough of that, which I've been sort of resisting um, would strengthen my, my views on that game. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, that's a good one, an interesting one. Um, so any other, before we, before we close out on, on the, uh, the love romance aspect, any other notable examples of, of games that you felt have done love right? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I don't think, um, like there's always a love interest in a game or something, but nothing that really stands out. I think um, Kratos in the the new God of War is in the the remake that we played recently. Not the remake, the the you know the the new God of War, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, even though you don't see Kratos's relationship with his wife when he's um, preparing her for to be burned at the pyre, you can tell through his relationship with his son how much he loved his wife and yeah you know think things like that come to mind maybe but none that i can think of oh yeah romantic love that stands out you've got a theme in final fantasy 8 that you could maybe argue with squall and renoa but other than people that people say um i was looking at a few lists before the episode and yeah. a few people say final fantasy 10 oh with, with tedus and uh yuna yeah so a few people uh bring that up as a good example and um a few that I've played recently. I recently played a game called um, some <laughs> the last day of June. That's what it's called. Right. So basically, it's about um, about a man who who lost his wife in a car accident, and he's trying to um, basically he's grieving, and he's he's been grieving for some time, and he's he's left um, in a wheelchair, and he's trying to turn back time and alter time to, to avoid her death and it's quite powerful quite poignant mm. and obviously very dedicated to this story that it's telling and may not be ultimately very satisfying but it was a, a worthwhile experience um, and another one that I played recently was a game called To The Moon again these are these are smaller games yeah independent indeed. yeah and, and that game also was about time travel funnily enough which is yeah so so in in this one he was uh he, he wanted to fulfill his dream of going to the moon 
and in order to do that he had to erase his wife and actually as part of um part of these memories it turned out that she she was still there and it was about him discovering these memories of her being still still being there I've completely uh, butchered that plot. So if you are interested, have a look elsewhere because I butchered that. But um, that's another good one. And one of the games that I... One of the games that's actually on this list, um, well, will be on this list, one of the extra games that um, was added to the list after we compiled it, is House in Fata Morgana, which is a, a visual novel game. And... I don't know how you'll feel about it because obviously it's a visual novel and I think they're, they're a bit of an acquired taste, but it quite literally blew me away and mm. I was playing it obsessively for, for about a month and a half and I thought it was utterly brilliant. And I, I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't really into visual novels before I played that game. And now I'm looking for a game that can even come close to that game. Yeah. Um, it really blew me away. And that had that, the, the, the relationships in that game, obviously they're more akin to, books yeah um so it's a bit different but yeah the relationships are so multifaceted and yeah uh, i think there's going to be a very interesting episode when we come to do it yeah so yeah that's another one for me um okay so i think we've we've kind of um run the gamut of love relationships in our valentine's day special so hopefully you enjoyed that discussion um okay so does it feels strange going back to Divinity 2, uh, the original <laughs> Sin 2 after that conversation. Um, does Divinity Original Sin 2 deserve to be on the Metacritic Top 100 list? I don't think so. I think um, it's, it's a fine game. It's not one that I could get into as such. Um, I think there are a lot of elements to it that, for someone like me, for someone who doesn't have very much time to get into invested in these kind of games as a 31-year-old, um, it's it's very... It's not beginner friendly. Um, there are good elements to it, and I think there are a lot of parts of this game that are like, yeah, okay, that's decent, or yeah, that works. But overall, I probably wouldn't say so. No, not for me. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. And, and for me, it's a very simple reason. I could probably get along with the combat. I could get along with the fact that it can be... Unf- well, the fact that you can get lost at times. My my, The biggest thing that I think this game lacks is is just a bit of focus and that could be something in the main menu that says to advance the main storyline go here yeah it doesn't do that Um, quest log yeah and the the quest log that it does provide is quite basic yeah and vague and and i get it it's deliberately so but for me certainly right now i i needed a bit more focus and it didn't have that so yeah, I, I did. I tried for probably close to thirty hours to get into this game, and I, and I just couldn't. And sometimes you've got to walk away and say well, this game isn't for me right now. Maybe it will be in future. Yeah. Um. But for right now, I don't think it deserves its place on the list. No, that's um, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So what have we got coming up next week? In our episode next week, we have got Splinter Cell: Chaos Theory, um, the third game in the Splinter Cell trilogy, the original trilogy. Anyway, um, we've played Pandora Tomorrow already on the list, and I think uh, Chaos Theory is a, a personal favourite of both yours and mine. 
Yeah, um, I, I love Chaos Theory. Yeah, I've not played it for about 15 years, so I'm looking forward to going back to it. So that should be a good episode. Um, and uh, there is the bonus level as well, where you get to sneak around as Mr. Blobby. Um, <laughs> Do you know what? I forgot my Mr. Blobby see? usual input. It's a good job I'm here. It's, uh, it's a good job you're on the ball. That's right. I'm half asleep. Right. Can't be forgetting Mr. Blobby on Valentine's Day. Nope. Um, but yes, so spend to sell Chaos Theory next week. Um, as usual, you can find us on social media at the Long and Short of It podcast. You can email us at the Long and Short of It podcast at hotmail.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please feel free to share them with friends, family, pets, or wild animals, as I'm sure they would enjoy them as well. But yes, I believe that is all we have to say about Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, anything else to add from yourself? Whether you're single or in a relationship or something else, we hope you have a, a lovely Valentine's Day and we'll see you next week for some chaos theory. We shall. See you next time. Cheerio.